Hey girl, welcome back to another episode of The, the Spiritual, Spiritual Gaze. Gaze. I'm Brandon. And I'm Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. No, because we ain't going to front like that. Because we have no fucking clue. We don't want no scrubs either. We, no, I don't want no scrub. <laughs> scrub is a man that can get no love from me. Sitting on the passenger side. I'm waiting for his best friend's ride. Uh, trying to holler at me? Yes! <laughs> Shoutouts to Candy Burns. I was paying attention in high school. <laughs> yeah, I think I was in my mid-20s. Well, that was, no, that was not high school for you, was it? I have no idea. It's all right. I have a terrible memory of my past. <laughs> I really do. Like, it just is kind of an empty <laughs> blank canvas. Well, that's interesting. And then every once in a while, like, a memory floods in. And I'm like, oh, right, that was part of my life. Well, no Tino shade to the people of your past. I mean, if you're in my present, I love you and I still know who you are, but. <laughs> <laughs> but if you knew him three years ago, you are an invisible ghost. Written on the water. Uh, who are you, though? Oh, right. Who am <laughs> I? Uh, my name is Brandon Alter, and I am many things, but yeah. uh, professionally, I am a healer and I am a tarot reader. I'm also a writer and an actor mm. and a teacher. And my husband. And your husband. Yeah, everybody. He's taken. And who are you? Uh, I'm Angel Lopez. I am a cha-cha instructor. No, you're not. I am. <laughs> sorry. Um, Madonna just dropped this uh, teaser for her new album today, Madam X, where she lists all these things she is. And um, it's been an ongoing sort of it's amazing it's her it's her latest album and the narrative of the latest album is that she is this character madam x who yeah. changes her identities in the effort to bring light to dark places yeah isn't that what she said so the whole thing for me is a little questionable but i'm intrigued i'm <laughs> brandon's I'm, extremely i'm intrigued. so all here for it she's like she is a cha-cha instructor an equestrian a yeah. head of state a housekeeper <sighs> a whore and i'm like wow madonna you know what you are all those things she is and more. And I would encourage everybody listening to list all of your different identities. <laughs> totally. Could be fun. Uh, so here are mine. Yeah, please. <laughs> I am a film executive. She's a film executive. I am a film producer. She's a film producer. I'm a writer. She is a writer. And I'm an astrologer. She's an astrologer. And I'm your husband. And you're my husband. <laughs> and you're an equestrian. I'm an equestrian. <laughs> I just love a cha-cha instructor. That's I know. My fi- that, that it's leads so with specific. That. Uh, how are you, honey? What's going on? What's happening? You know, in this moment, I'm, I feel joyful. Yeah, me too. <laughs> We're doing what we love. And... Yeah, uh, it's been a busy weekend and it's been a busy week. And uh, honestly, it's been an incredibly emotional week. So yeah, a lot's been going on. You know, we've still been dealing with our little pups, Noche, uh, his recovery um, from his surgery and his radiation treatments. But he is 90% there at this point. Um, but it hasn't been the easiest of... Um, avenues to, no it's to travel not. but uh but that's been challenging and then you know i do want to um just speak to a, a passing in my family that occurred um recently um my wonderful uncle david lopez passed away um after battling uh cancer and um it was a real sorry i'm getting a little emotional but it's it's, okay. it's been a real tragedy in my family and um you know we'll definitely miss him and we will be putting him to rest this week. Yeah. So it's been a lot. It's brought up a lot of uh, things for me, you know, just around purpose and, you know, wanting to 
really make sure that I am, you know, living my most full life and really utilizing all my gifts and my talents and my skills, um, you know, to their maximum because I really want to just make the most of this and treat it preciously and also not so preciously. Right. But, you know, um, but yeah, he will be missed and we love him and he was my godfather and a really great one. So, so yeah, that's, uh, so it's been a, it's been a roller coaster. Um, we'll talk about a little more of an our cosmic update. Yeah, up. totally. Uh, how are you, baby? Um, I'm here. I'm present. I'm available. I'm in acceptance mode. I think you and I have just been hammered by crises these past few months. And I was writing, well, it came to me in the shower, actually, just that like at the kernel of every crisis is a calm acceptance. And I feel like it has been a firm but compassionate breakdown of some old internal structures and I'm just in an acceptance and flow mode. Like mm -hmm. I'm not pretending like I know what's next or what I should do. I'm not pretending like I know who I am fully in this moment. I'm just kind of taking the ride. But I'm not I'm not depressed mm -hmm. and I'm not sad. I'm just a little hollow right now. Mm. Not numb, but just like um You've been scraped out. Yeah, I feel pretty <laughs> scraped out. I feel like I've been flushed down the south node. So with that, why don't we just tell everybody what's going on in this week's Cosmic, Cosmic Update. So what's happening in the heavens, honey? I mean, what isn't happening? <laughs> I mean, it feels like, a, you know, like an episode of A Real Housewives. It's so busy. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, I won't go that deep on that because this is not a dose of reality. No, we're not going into the Housewives, even though My Angel and I did God. watch like the entire season of Atlanta in about Well, we one caught week. up on like yeah. the last like six episodes or seven because we were like so behind and it's been so fucking good. So could we start Anyhow. by talking about the South Node and Pluto and Saturn kind of hanging out there? Uh, yeah, well, we can definitely talk about, yeah, there's been just a major, I mean, it's a larger transit that's sort of going on through the year, but, but currently, um, a, a larger transit involving Saturn and Pluto moving through Capricorn, they're coming together, they've been slowly moving toward each other too, um, and they did meet up with the South Node. Right, and I think of the South Node as kind of like the cosmic toilet it's like what's being flushed <laughs> down and out so the uh -huh. south node it just like <laughs> sucks out everything that's no longer necessary oh, and goodness. saturn which is about structures and pluto which is about transformation they're hanging out in the south node has really collectively and personally been like kind of sucking out of us the things that uh are blocking our vision that have been limiting us and it also um, has encouraged some souls to leave the earth plane if the physical body was the structure that was inhibiting the vision of their next chapter. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people have been releasing just like current structures in their lives, you know, whether it's been jobs or relationships, um, et cetera. Just, Goals. Mm -hmm, like finding themselves on some level outgrow, you know, as, as if they've outgrown them a bit yeah. or, or just have shifted away from them. And um, yeah, I mean, Saturn is definitely around structures, but there is a lot of change in Saturn too. It wants to come in and ask you to, you know, either step up or step out. Mm. Um, 
and then of course, and, and it tends to be on more of a, you know, tangible physical level and, and an external representation of that in some area of your life, where then as Pluto is all about your inner self, uh, that's that depth of your soul's journey here. And so to have the two of them coming together... It's like you can't get a break, <laughs> whether you're inside or outside. Well, here's the tea, though. I do feel that, like, you know, they're both about to go into retrograde toward the end of this month. Oh, the both end of Pluto April. and Saturn are going to retrograde? Yeah. So they're both going to retrograde, which means that I feel like some of this pressure of you have to change, you have to evolve, is going to you know, lighten to some degree. Uh -huh. You know, I think we already know the tasks at hand, um, but it's an opportunity to sort of recalibrate and prepare even, uh, you know, in a more strong, in a stronger way uh, for ultimately when they do uh, go direct again and meet up at the end of this year. Um, but I do feel like it's such a larger conversation that we should get into it almost in its own thing or in its own segment, um, you know, shortly, you know, at some point during the retrograde, I think we should talk about it. Okay. So stay tuned, gazers. What else is happening in the heavens, honey? Well, Mercury, which, you know, had a retrograde phase uh, that ended, yeah. thankfully, but it's been in Pisces. Since... Still there, still in the cosmic suit. <laughs> well, no, as of this episode coming out, uh, Mercury will have moved into Aries. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's been there since February 10th. Um, you know, so it's really been, I think, as you always say, the psychic soup. Um, so, you know, Mercury being, you know, communication, um, you know, both in, inside and then how we communicate out into the world. Um, you know, it's been a lot of that sort of Piscean, on some level, confusion is really like where a lot of people go to with it. Yeah, I've been confused as hell. I've noticed. And, you know, Mercury also <laughs> rules um, our pets. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Because Mercury's small, so it rules like small things. Mm -hmm. And I've been very confused about my pet. Aww, that's cute. <laughs> so I think when Mercury finally moves into Aries, it's going to be like, okay, we're moving forwards in that way. Yeah, well, and it's also, I think, just a real opportunity to kind of like, I mean, Pisces is endings, you know? So to move into sort of a major beginning around mentality is really helpful right now. I think, you know, because we are all in this place of sort of what am I doing with my life, you know, to hopefully be able to, at least on a mental communication level, start to activate some of that, um, or at least some of the ideas around where do I want to move toward, I think that will be really helpful for all of us. And, you know, Mars is already ahead of the game in Gemini, um, so there's already a bit of a like, I think that's some of the push and pull is that Mars is like, bitch, I'm gone, you know, <laughs> but Mercury and Venus have been like struggling to like catch up. Yeah. They're like, hey, wait. Yeah. They're you like, left us in the psychic soup. yeah. So um, on Saturday, 420, uh, you know, the sun will enter Taurus. <sighs> Gorgeous. Which is just, you know, like, let's build, let's build. Um, and then Venus will enter Aries that day too. So it's very much a new cycle around our relationships. Uh, you know, so how do we initiate? How do we inspire within and amongst the people, amongst the relationships that we keep? Uh, but again, it's beginnings. So let's, you know, ultimately like find new ways to relate to the people in our lives. And I would hope that this whole Piscean, 
you know, the us being steeped in it because Neptune is also in Pisces. It's its home planet moving through its home base. So it's all on some level too. the other side. We talk about confusion, but it's also spirituality. Mm. You know, it's our connection to that unknown energy that we move through. So on a surface level, it feels confusing, but if we can, you know, use it to just quiet ourselves then it offers an opportunity for us to really connect to intuition, connect to our spirit-driven self so that we can really, you know, make change in a way that is in alignment with our soul's dream for us. And I know people uh, that I at least have come in contact with have been on the struggle bus and really feeling like they're at the end of their rope, they're hollow. Um, but you know, I think that my hope is that we're moving into now a space of let's fill ourselves back up with a new infusion of, of energy. And let's just try to infuse it with some goodness and some optimism and some light. Gorgeous. And some love. And we have a full moon in Libra too. We do. It's the second one. Yeah. At 29 degrees Libra, as opposed to last month when it was at zero degrees Libra. Yeah. So how do you interpret that? Well, a fun thing that I've stolen outright from Anne Orderly, our favorite astrologer, <laughs> is that she looks at the degrees as the ages. So like a zero degree Libra full moon is like a, is like a baby. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, Libra, the sign of partnership, that full moon was really about you're a baby in all of your partnerships and relationships, figuring out what your needs are. Mm -hmm. And over the course of the past month, we've started to really decipher what our needs are in these relationships and which relationships are serving us and which relationships really aren't meeting those needs. And now yeah. we're 29 years old. Now we're like ready to either claim the relationships that are feeding us or we feed the relationships Saturn return, make or break. Exactly. Um, <laughs> step or, up yeah, or step up. Or we out. feed the relationships that aren't working for us you right. know, to the cosmic toilet, so to speak. <laughs> so I would encourage everybody with this full moon that's basically happening late, late Thursday night. It's technically Friday morning, but yeah. I would say it's fullest. So if you're going to put your crystals out there, do it Thursday night. Mm -hmm. um, and spend some time reflecting on your mastery of your needs in relationship. Yeah, and I think another aspect of Libra to add to that is balance. And, you know, like Libra wants to restore balance. Mm. So I think it's helpful on a full moon to, you know, try to release what's keeping you from achieving balance in your life, you know, particularly when it comes to whatever new beginnings that you're trying to activate at this time. So if you want to commit to your creativity more, but you're having trouble making the time, then, you know, what needs to go in order to make the time? You know, and that goes for any area of your life. So, you know, think of it from that perspective of I need to achieve a little more balance right now. Yeah. So. And that could be that you need more play, more mm -hmm. fun, more freedom. That's what I am feeling because it has just felt so heavy and serious. these. Well, we're going to Austin. Yes, on we Thursday. are <laughs> to see our favorite Philomena J. Bartolina, who is yeah. light and joy. So and we'll zaniness. be uh, <laughs> we'll be definitely teetering. We're cause some fucking trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if any gazers out there in Austin, let us know what we should yeah. be doing, where we should go. All right. And speaking of trouble, we are so excited to get into this episode, Spirit Talk, yes. with the gorgeous Shireen Marisol Miraji. So here we go, everybody. Get ready for this episode's Spirit, Spirit Talk. Talk. 
So we are sitting here with the radiant Shireen Marisol Miraji, ow, ow. who is the co-host of the podcast Code Switch on NPR, and she is a journalist, a reporter, and uh, a very close friend of ours. And you went to college with Angel, is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Oh I mean, we've known each other like 20-something years. Wait, are you aging us? <laughs> I'm trying to keep my age. No, I'm just kidding. We've known each other three years. Um, <laughs> yeah, since forever. we graduated, you met on your 16th birthday. <laughs> we did, and now you're 19. That's amazing, right? Uh, I know, honey. I met you when I was eight. Um, <laughs> no, but we have known each other a while, and I certainly remember you very vividly. College, you always excited and vibrant, and casting that Sag Moon all around town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, my mom is a Sag Moon, and I always say it's Party Girl Moon. It's a Party Girl Moon. It, you know, I'm a party girl, but I'm also an introvert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Virgo. A control freak and an introvert. <laughs> yeah. But we can talk about that later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can talk about it now, too. But welcome to the spirit room. Yeah, welcome. I'm so excited. I haven't been in the spirit room in years. Yeah. Since the last time Angel gave me a reading, which I think was four years ago. Ish. It was before I got married. And I still listen to it every once in a while because I've come so far since you gave me that reading. And there was a lot of things in the reading that you were right about. Hey. So bravo. Angel knows what he's doing. Thanks, spirit. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Hey. You were like, you're going you're gonna to find a boo this year. Hey. Yes. And then you did. And I did. Wow. And then I married him. I think I married him like two years later, maybe. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but we were friends. We had been friends for years. You are an Aquarius rising. I am. Which is why we have such resonance because of my Aquarius sun. And you're a Virgo sun with your party girl, Sag Moon. Yep. Yeah. So what does that mean exactly? Go ahead. Well, so um, your Aquarius rising is like we meet Shireen with her fist in the air first. Mm -hmm. Like we meet the revolutionary, (laughs) we meet the humanitarian because that's very Aquarian and we meet the forward thinker. Like that's what we kind of meet first. But your soul, like your Virgo essence is that you really are a healer and you are a control freak of some essence. <laughs> but the control freak comes that like Virgos know the right way to do something so yeah. that it has the greatest effect. They know they pay about attention alignment. to the details. Yeah. I agree with this um, <laughs> very much. But then your needs, your Sag needs, and like that's why it's so great that you are like a reporter and a journalist because your Sag moon needs to be learning all the time mm-hmm. and traveling and seeing the world. And Enjoying. Like, that's what feeds you like your heart the yes. most. I feel like I'm my best self when I'm traveling. Mm. I wish I could bottle that person. Right? I feel the exact same way. I call it my vacation eyes. Like when I have my <laughs> vacation eyes on, like everything's groovy. And you're just open to all the experiences. Yes. You will talk to anyone. I mean, I talk to everybody no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> but I will just, yeah, I will just go home with random people, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I wouldn't do here. No, and, right. And in a very, you know, friend friend type right. way. Yeah, you want to explore the culture. <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah, yes. from the most grounded perspective. <laughs> like you're going to somebody's house for like tea or a exactly, traditional meal, dinner. not for some sexy time. We get it. <laughs> okay. But it's cool viewing you your boo roll like that. Yeah. <laughs> The spirit room is a Next safe time. place. Yeah, we don't judge. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but intrigued to hear because, you know, you are a reporter. Mm-hmm. You work for one of the, I think, one of the most exciting places to be, I assume, NPR. Um, was that always part of the path? No. To, yeah. Definitely not. I fell into this path 100%. I'd actually never thought I had a path. I've always wanted to teach. My Titiwana and my uncle Alfonso were both bilingual teachers. And so they, you know, I would go be in their classrooms if I was off on vacation and they still had class, they would bring me in. And 
I loved what they did and I loved teaching and sharing knowledge. And so I thought that I was going to do that and I wanted to, you know, get my Spanish perfect and be a bilingual teacher and that's what I was going to do and I kind of fell into this. I I basically got a job as an administrative assistant for a place called the National Radio Project in Oakland, California. Mm. And I was um remember CDs and tapes like mm-hmm. those were <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm aging myself. I'm actually looking for a tape player right now cuz my it's yeah. all coming back. My yeah. my therapist gave me these like amazing old tapes like some like Native American shaman and I like want to listen to them but you can't find a tape player anywhere. Well, I have a 1999 Toyota Tacoma, so I can yes. just you can roll with me because I have a tape player <laughs> in my Tacoma. Trip. We can listen to these tapes. Let's go to Joshua Tree <laughs> right. and we can listen oh to God, tapes the whole way. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. Done and done. Yeah, okay. with vacation eyes. Yeah, Vac- exactly. <laughs> and then we'll just end up in some random person's house for dinner. That honestly sounds like just what I need right it now. It does. All right. That's the next episode tomorrow. <laughs> so you were working at that place. I Oakland. was working that place, and I was an administrative assistant. So I was answering phones, and I was cataloging tapes and CDs, and um, digital editing for audio was just becoming a thing because they used you know tape and razor blades and stuck things together. (laughs) That was how it was done before. And so I was like, oh, I want to learn how to do this. This seems really cool. And it was a nonprofit. And you know how nonprofits are always on a shoestring. So they're like, oh, yeah, you want to do this? You're hungry? We'll teach you how to do this. And they taught me how to um, edit audio. And I did that. And then I was running the soundboard for them. And um, one thing led to another. And then I was doing interviews and going out in the field. And I became a reporter. It's amazing. Wow. But, but so when you say, though, I didn't even know what I that I had a path. There was nothing growing up where you felt like, oh, I'm compelled or, or called or have an interest in this. It was really just like, oh, I'm well, just going to follow. I, I always was kind of dramatic and creative. I love to write. Mm-hmm. Love to write and have journaled ever since I can remember. And then I loved being on stage. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I Did you know that I was in theater? Yeah. At state? So I was in Ronnie Washington's uh-huh. theater class. Um, and I, I thought I was going to do the theater path in college, but I, I felt like, oh, no. I was really interested in politics and I was interested in activism and all of these things. And the theater, I, I didn't know that those things intersected in the theater. I wasn't aware of that yet. And so I was like, ah, that's not the path for me. I guess maybe I had a path and it was just storytelling and writing Mm -hmm. and being creative. Yeah, because you were- And teaching. Right. Because at at State, um, I think we met through like a La Raza class. Oh, do you remember which one? I almost feel like- Was it Nancy Mirabal's? No, I don't remember the professor. Okay. But I I feel like it might have been intro. Okay. Yeah. Because I was very much, I was taking intro to everything in school. (laughs) Yeah. I was dropping everything too. It took me 13 years to get my degree from state. Do you know that Arnold Schwarzenegger is on my diploma? (laughs) He signed it. That was many years after we got to state. But it definitely seems like your current job is this combination of storytelling, of teaching, and writing. Like, it all folded in. And I'm always telling people... And culture. And culture. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And I'm always telling people, there's no such thing as, like, falling off your path. Even when you feel like you're not on your path, that's part of the winding road through the woods. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to feel like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. That's just part of the process. So I think it's really inspiring for people listening to this to know, like, oh, okay, like, I'm in a moment where I don't know what I'm doing, but that is part of the path. It's like where the path gets narrow mm-hmm. and dark, and oh, you yeah. just keep going. 
Did you both know what you were doing? Well, we don't Did know what we're doing now. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Neither do, do I. Do we look like we're doing? Yeah, because we're, <laughs> we're just, you know, we don't know. We <laughs> joke and we say this, this liter- the spiritual gaze, you know, it's built on the brand of we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that brand. Exactly. But I want to I draw you out a little bit about your podcast, which okay. is called Code Switch. Mm-hmm. And how do you talk about the podcast? We say that it's a podcast about race, identity, and culture. And we talk a lot about structural racism. We also talk a lot about identity uh, and how we identify, especially as people of color living in the United States and that this, you know, racial puzzle in this country and where we belong to it, especially I'm Iranian and Puerto Rican. And Mm -hmm. so I've always been quite confused about my identity. And um, so it's wonderful to have a job where I can explore that with other people and then realize that we have an entire audience who's like, oh yeah, I was confused too, or I'm still confused, or I don't know where I fit in. And I'm, you know, people who are mixed uh, up like me, I don't know if that's the right terminology. I should probably know the right terminology, <laughs> but uh, have have really felt like it is a place where they can feel safe listening to the podcast uh, because they've always felt like they've had to choose one thing or another. I mean, I'm sure both of you have have dealt with these kinds oh, of definitely of identity issues. And so, yeah, so code switch, we get into that. We also talk we talk about history, we talk about culture, we talk about food. You know, we talk about dance and art and movies and it's everything and it's not formulaic, which I love. Um but it's all it within the ren- the it's all within the lens of race in America. Right. Mm-hmm. And would you tell me what it what does code switch mean? Because I don't. Ah, know. I love that you don't know. I don't know. Shireen, so, he's white. He's white. Yeah, he's I'm a brown white. presenting white. He's a brown man. presenting white. But man. I bet you code switch though. I think I think mm-hmm. I have an idea of what it means. I feel like I might code switch more as a queer person. Exactly. exactly. But I, I need to hear what yeah. it is. So code switching is a linguistic term, and it originally meant. If I was speaking English to you and then all of a sudden I started speaking Spanish because we both know that we're bilingual. And so in the middle of a sentence, I just switch into Spanish and then I switch back into English and that's code switching. But there's a broader definition, which is I talk the way I talk when I'm around my friends and we have all these, you know, slang terms or colloquialisms. And then I talk differently when I'm at work. I have my work voice or... I have my white voice <laughs> or and I have my Puerto Rican voice or, you know, so I switch it up depending on who I'm around. Gotcha. So it's like modulating your identity based on your external circumstances. Exactly. Yeah. But I think that that's what's interesting. And I definitely relate to it um, probably more so being a gay man, like and sort of having to navigate a very heterosexual world. Um, that's been, I think, the one because I'm a pretty light skinned Latino. Latino. So like I have, I guess on some level, and that's my own like identity issue that I've worked through of like having to claim sort of that I have Mm. that, that privilege and having to Mm -hmm. deal with it and also not being a Spanish speaking. Yep. Like that creates a lot of like guilt and shame. Uh. So I've on some level, you know, had to work much harder to sort of feel like I'm a part of that community. Whereas the gay community, I've been able to be like, Hey girl, I'm here and like kind of merge into it. But then there's now this other piece of it uh, that is sort of claiming my spirit 
intellectual self, for lack of a better term, and having to now navigate the world with this spiritual sensibility. And when Brandon and I talk, we definitely have very much of a like spiritual tinged lingo that I can't go out until work and use, except maybe if it's like about Mercury retrograde. And Mm -hmm. then everyone's like, oh, totally. Everything's crazy. Yeah. My computer (laughs) broke and I had to call IT. Totally. Yeah. No, it's very interesting to come out of the closet in that way, like as a spiritual person in some realms. Like I get made fun of sometimes with some of my friends that like are into astrology and they're like, oh yeah, everything is this or that, you know, with me. And I'm like, okay, well, but my, my challenge to myself is that I try not to modulate anymore. Like I try to be like queer as fuck, a fucking drag queen and a spiritual healer wherever I go. And that's part of my... I don't know, that's part of my life path, I think, is that like, if I am in any way ashamed of it, and then I shut it down in the presence of who I might deem like an oppressor or just like some Mm -hmm. straight white guy that I don't think is going to get it, then I'm actually denying them the opportunity to step into like the possibility that they might be into this sort of stuff in the first place. So I think, I don't know, I'm just curious, like, I understand how code switching on one level is like, okay, like when I'm with my girlfriends, we can all talk this way and it's safe. But don't you know. don't want to have to code switch. Is I that don't want to have to code switch. Yeah. yeah. I want to be able to like be my authentic self and the full expression of my identity wherever I go. I don't want to have to modulate. Mm-hmm. And I do sometimes if I don't feel safe, right? Like even like my gayness sometimes. I mean, not like I have like a, a good straight voice or that like I have a good like butch self. But in the past, I would like, you know, go to certain places or parts of town and I'd be like, oh, I can't be gay here. Like, mm. you know, put yeah. on your backwards baseball cap and just shut the fuck up, <laughs> you know? Right, because, but then there are some people who have to use it for safety purposes to some degree, right? Like that's like, you can come from like a slightly more privileged perspective, I guess, too, whereas others have to like use it almost as like a means for survival. Yeah, and it also can be something where it's positive and affirming, like this is my space, this is a safe space, this is where we talk. Mm-hmm the way we talk and we don't have to, I don't know, we don't have to deal with judgment from anybody else. And that is a wonderful thing that is just for me and yeah. and the people that understand me. I don't no, know. Because it makes yeah. sense. Because the other side of things is like, you don't want to throw pearls before swine. So I don't necessarily want to <laughs> talk to my, no, it's like talking about like astrology or with people that wouldn't appreciate right. it because it right. devalues yes. the sacredness of it. You know, like only, you know, there's some parts of my own spiritual practice that like barely anybody gets to know about because I have to know that you will respect everything I'm saying. Otherwise, it cheapens it for me. Mm -hmm. I have to say I was a little bit nervous. This is my favorite podcast. So I'm going to just say that to everyone. (laughs) Listening to you guys. Well, also because I love you and I think you're wonderful, wonderful men. I love you. Um, But also because it doesn't feel like work. (laughs) <laughs> I really get to just enjoy myself when I'm listening to this podcast. And you know, I'm afraid of flying. And so I have all of your podcasts downloaded and I just listen to them on my flights Aww. because I find them really soothing Aww. and you're like my angel. Oh my gosh. Yes, this that. is true. But I am a journalist yeah. and this is about being grounded in facts and astrology and all of those things i mean there's a lot of eye roll and and side eye going mm-hmm. on oh if yeah. you talk about astrology of or, course so this is something that i was like oh should i do it you know is mm-hmm. it going to make people 
judge me. But like you said, I do want to walk through the world being who I am and not shying away from who I am. And I'm interested in these things. And I've been interested in these things for a really long time. I'm really curious about it. Yeah. And when we claim it, we give other people permission to claim it as well. So people are going to listen and go, oh my God, she's kind of into astrology too. Okay. I guess I'll like come out of the closet about it too. Yeah. And I've always felt like just knowing you that you always bring like a soulfulness to everything you do. And even listening to your reporting, I mean, and uh, you did this piece on, uh, it was this thing that people can watch on YouTube about creative mornings that NPR did. Uh Uh And you play a piece of a recording on there where you were interviewing this woman and you burst into tears because it touched such a particularly personal chord for you. Yeah, And I felt like that was such a soulful presentation for you to put that in front of people that not every quote unquote reporter would allow themselves to do. So there is a spirituality to the work you do. So I do feel like mm. you're you're putting it out there regardless of whether you believe, you know. Well, thank you. Know yeah. that. <laughs> I had a, a big editor at NPR say that there's there's a little bit too much heart in your reporting and not and you need to do more, a little bit more head and a little bit less heart. Uh, I never need to <laughs> I meet was mad that about person. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the opposite of what I say to like everybody. I'm like the head serves the heart, not the other way around. But there's a lot of head. I'm a very analytical person. You're a Virgo. Yeah. But how do you think spirituality like infuses into your life? Well, I think that I've always been a seeker. And I think so much of that is because I haven't felt like I belonged. So my my dad is Muslim. My mm-hmm. mom is Catholic. My dad's Iranian. My mom is Puerto Rican. I talk a lot about this on yeah. the Code Switch podcast. And I went to Catholic school. But Oh, you did? I didn't I know did that. I did go to Catholic school oh, shit. for most of my um, education before college. And... My parents couldn't figure out what to do with the religion thing. So, I mean, religion and spirituality, they can be the same, they can be different, but yes. this is kind of the where the origins of my spirituality started. So my mom was like, oh, you know, I guess, should we baptize her? Because remember back in the day, if you weren't baptized and you died when you were a baby, you would go to limbo. Yep. Right? So they got rid of that. The Catholic Church got rid of this. But my mom was like, oh, I don't want my kid to go to limbo, but I don't know about this baptism thing. And I think she was really kind of wondering if Catholicism was the right path for her, even though she was raised in Catholicism. And so I was baptized at seven. Oh, wow. I was baptized at seven years old. It was such, I remember it being such a embarrassing and very strange experience. It was all newborn babies and me a seven-year-old wow. being baptized. And did you understand? I had no idea what that beep was going on. Right. I remember I was wearing a very frilly white dress <laughs> and it was, and it was at oh, St. Lawrence Catholic Church in Sacramento. Uh-huh. And so anyway, so I, I had that experience, but then I never had my first communion. I never did confirmation, all really? of these things. Yes. All go, but you were still in Catholic but school? But I was in Catholic school, which meant that when you went to you know, mass or liturgy, everybody else is going up and getting their communion Mm -hmm. from the priest. And I'm sitting in the pew by myself. And did you have shame around that Oh my gosh, so much shame. Mm -hmm. Mm. So much shame. And I was always like, what if I just walked up there and got my communion? You know, what would I do? And so in high school, 
I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to get my communion. <laughs> that was I the mean, Aquarius writing. <laughs> yes. So I remember freaking out and walking up there. And I was like, do you have to have, is it the left hand over the right hand? Is the right hand over the left hand? I, I couldn't figure it out. And I was like, they're going to know. I've never had communion before. <laughs> this is all this stuff running through my crazy mind. Yes, no, it makes sense though. And so I go up there and I get the thing and I do what everyone does. I eat the wafer mm-hmm. and I sit down and I'm feeling so much guilt about this that I have to confess this to Father Barry, who was the father at the time. I, I'm so sorry, Father. I have never done communion before. I never had my first Holy Communion, but I just didn't want to sit down while everyone else was getting their <laughs> communion. So I just decided to have my communion. And he was like, oh, that's not a big deal, you know? And it's like this whole time it had been eating away mm. at me. And it's just an example of how I've kind of always felt like not quite a part of the thing, you know, it, it's because my dad and my mom are different and I'm mixed. And also because they couldn't figure out, am I going to be Catholic? Am I not? I've always been sort of on the periphery, um, watching from the periphery. And so I've always been curious, um, but I haven't ever kind of had something that I felt like was my own brand of spirituality, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. That was a really long story. So no, it was a great, great story. story. I might steal it for a, for a script someday. So, um, yeah. but what was your relationship then with God? Or was there one? Oh, uh, my relationship with God? Oh, it was all about judgment. Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. Have you been to Catholic school? I had to do Christian womanhood. Let me tell you what Christian womanhood <laughs> yeah, was. Do. No heavy petting. It was all about like, you don't masturbate. You don't you know, have sexual thoughts. You, it, it was all about guilt. Was this I like mean, a class you had to take yes, in high school? Yes, we had to take a class. Called Damn. Christian Womanhood. Called it was like Christian their version womanhood. of home ec, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so my relationship with God was that this God was a very judgmental God and I had to be perfect. And also my mom has said this since I was little, I was a perfectionist. I mean, mm. and maybe that is the Virgo thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, if I wasn't perfect. So you felt like you had to be perfect for God. Oh, yeah. And definitely around like sec- sex and sexual feelings and all of these things. There was just all kinds of guilt and, and, shame, yeah. and shame. And my parents are from different cultures and you know, we didn't have a household where we discussed any of these things. Right. Well, and to be fair, those are both cultures. Like Islam and Catholicism are, I mean, the shame around sex and around being, around yes. just having a body, particularly being a woman with a body, is extreme. Yeah. yeah. So it makes a lot of sense. I remember being like 12 years old and, and running around and not having, like having a long t-shirt on. And I remember my dad being like, yeah, you can't do that anymore. You know? And just being like, what? Like, right. why? You know? And, and so, yes, it was, it's all, it's about, I don't know, being modest and not being sexual and mm-hmm. also, but then there's also Latino culture, which is like, you, exactly. you can be vibrant, and, vibrant sensual. and sensual and, you know, you wear tight clothes. And so there's a lot of mixed messaging. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and you're the product of it. Um, <laughs> Would you feel comfortable just talking about your own personal process moving through some of that shame? Because you are married and yeah. I'm, I think it would help our listeners just to know, like, how did you begin to attack some of that shame that was put into you? Um, a lot of uh, therapy. Mm-hmm. So I've been in therapy for years. Journaling 
I've been journaling since I can remember. So I used to write every single day. Hmm. And now it's funny, now that I'm married, and actually it's when we started to live together because I didn't really live with anyone before I married my husband. Mm-hmm. And... Or an, a man. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. An angel will tell you. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> and so, I live like somebody who's lived alone for a very long time. True. I, I'm very clean and very neat and very thoughtful. Well, why don't you and Angel live together? <laughs> I'm going to go should, move angel. in. I'm moving in. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> um, but no, journaling was is really, really important. But the problem is, is once we started living together, it was my thing that I did. And I had plenty of me time to sit and do it. And I haven't been very good about creating that space for myself since we've lived together. I still journal, but I don't do it as regularly. But I was journaling. I have anxiety and depression and and very, very severe anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And actually, I didn't realize what was going on with me until I was diagnosed with endometriosis. I don't know if you know what that is. Mm-hmm, but you can explain. Uh, it's, when, yeah. it's, um, it's when the the inside of your uterus, the lining of your uterus grows outside of your uterus. And it's very painful. And there's all of these hormonal imbalances that go with it. And so I was like thinking I was having a bipolar episode every month. I didn't realize it until I was diagnosed with this. But my PMS was so severe that I was having suicidal thoughts. I was rageful. I couldn't have proper relationships. There's pain when you have intercourse. I mean, it's just like all of these things Mm. that I've had to kind of work through with therapy and journal journaling. I didn't, I'm not, I figured like, let's be open about these things. I I wasn't sure if I was going to talk about this, but, (laughs) um, it has led me to seeking something outside of this plane that we're on something bigger, something to connect to, to gra- to to ground myself or t- to to make it okay somehow. Do you feel like the journaling helped you because you were able to see your thoughts outside of yourself? Yes, and you can see a pattern. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm. You can see your the pattern of your thoughts, and if you go back and look at my journals, you they're all dated, and so you can see right before my period starts. The darkness. Yes. The, you know, I don't know if the word is self-deprecation. It's like self-harm. I mean, just all of these things. Yes. Yeah. Not being good enough, never thinking you're good enough, you know, and and on and on. So how would you begin to talk about your relationship with God or however you, you know, think of a higher power now? How has that changed from that sort of like angry, vengeful, judgmental Old Testament God <laughs> to how you connect to, to spirit or what have you now? I feel like meditation and deep breathing and yoga has connected me to spirit in a way that feels very healthy and um, healing. I don't know if the word is God and I don't know if I feel comfortable using that word. I'm still kind of trying to figure that out. Yeah. But I definitely feel like I do turn to something outside of myself, something higher, in order to help me put my anxiety into perspective, to breathe and just to realize this is a giant universe that we're in and we are interconnected and whatever this little thing is that I'm obsessing about right Mm -hmm. now is nothing compared to this 
wide universe that we live in. I mean, this life that we're living is like this short, know. you know? Yeah. And so that is that has really helped me to think about things outside of me and what I'm obsessing over. So it gets me thinking that, you know, that with the work you do now, um, you know, which has you sort of working within like so much of like social and political, you know, just inequities and inequalities, inequities and inequalities in the world. I mean, you are just swirled within that world constantly. Yep. Um, and because you're passionate about the telling those stories. Um, but I think it can be challenging for people who are trying to live a sort of peaceful yes. spirit driven life to then have to go out and confront the world. How do you do that for yourself? How do you sort of step into these stories in a way that doesn't overwhelm you? I, I have not been able to figure that out. Got it. I'm overwhelmed. I'm so tired. <laughs> well, that's relatable. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe there isn't, maybe there isn't a way. Like maybe the answer is like, it's going to cost you something. Yeah. But that's important. I have been learning how to say no. That's been helpful. Just giving myself permission to say no, because I do, I want to say yes to everything and I want to do everything. And there's all these young women of color who really want to get into this business. You know, mm -hmm. podcasting is a big deal and it's really exciting right now. And I want to be a mentor and I want to, there's just so much that I want to do. Um, but I'm also really tired and my well feels like it's dry. And so I have to, I'm learning now at 41 years old, how to say no. And it's been such a hard lesson. It's really, really difficult. So I just don't think that I'm doing it well. And I care so much. I care so much about yeah. these stories. I mean, like this seven minute story. I just did a seven minute story this week on Marseille Martin, mm -hmm. a profile of Marseille Martin, who's in the movie Little. Um, she's in Blackish. She's 14 years old. She's amazing. And it's just she's like it, the youngest executive producer in like, Hollywood ever. history. Yeah. yeah. And I was just, I wanted to make this thing so good. And the night before it aired, I couldn't sleep because all I, I, I just was like, oh, I hope it was good enough. I, I just, you know, I mean, like, come on, how long have I been doing this work? And I didn't sleep a wink because I was so anxious. So I have to figure out how to harness this anxiety for good and not evil. <laughs> and I haven't figured out. And the evil is is like what I'm doing to myself. And totally. I haven't figured it out. And I'm really a sensitive person. So I am really sensitive to people's stories. And I should not give up what people think about the stories that I do. But I care. I'm going to be honest. I do care. Well, I always say, like, even when I'm teaching people how to read tarot, I say what other people think of your readings is none of your business. <gasps> Wonderful. Like somebody, you know, somebody pays me, somebody comes over and my job is to deliver the messages as I experience them in the moment. Yeah. And whether or not the person can receive the messages or those that are the messages they wanted, that's not up to me. And if I try to make them happy, then I'm not actually doing my job. Yeah. So I always just like, I just release it. Oh, it's it. totally true. And you, not you shouldn't easy. be making everyone happy as a journalist, right? Oh, no, right. No. You shouldn't be. And, and if, I don't. And also, as like a good healer or tarot reader, your job isn't necessarily to make everyone yeah. happy. Your job is to deliver the truth, ideally with love, but to tell the truth. It's, yeah. 
And I just feel like there's this part of me that is still a very much a people pleaser. As much as I am very confrontational and mm-hmm. like that and like to get into that. And but I, I also have this other side that just wants everyone to be happy. Can we just all <laughs> get along? And those are the two sides of Aquarius. Uh, oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Aquarius the rebel and Aquarius the humanitarian. <laughs> Like Aquarius really just like wants everyone sitting in a circle holding hands together, but they yes. will crack some skulls together if that's what it's going to take, <laughs> you know? For real. Well, I have to say, Shireen, that the difference between you and me, you know, so I listened to a couple of the Code Switch episodes, particularly the one about San Francisco State. Yes. And just listening brilliant. to the Thank episode you. itself got me enraged. <laughs> enraged. Mm-hmm. And when I watch the news, which I rarely do, I also find myself enraged. Mm -hmm. And part of the conversation I have with myself all the time is what's the difference between taking care of myself and also just like resting on my privilege because I'm not immediately affected Mm -hmm. in this moment that Mm -hmm. I don't get myself involved. And I think you, on the other hand, because I think we're probably the same degree of sensitivity, and yet you are allowing yourself to be gutted and torn open all the time for the greater good. Whereas I'm kind of protecting myself for the greater good, right? Because like when somebody comes over for a reading, if I'm on the floor crying about the news, I am able to give my light to them to shine their light. Yeah. So right. we're coming at it from different sides. But I, I just want to applaud your courage and your vulnerability to continue to put yourself out into a world that hurts you. Thank you. And that's what I loved. But what I saw in your Creative Mornings presentation, or even in, you know, the episodes of Code Switch that I listened to, that you bring your vulnerability to the news, to what you see, so that people can relate to it. And has there ever been like a part of you that's tried to numb yourself or shut down some of those sensitivities? I don't know how. No? No. I think that I, I can say right now, you are complimenting me and I'm starting to have an out of body experience where I'm leaving myself because it's so uncomfortable to be complimented sure, like that. Yeah. Um, so that's a way I numb myself. Like I've, I, I numb myself to those things, which I should be more open to, but, um, the vulnerability, like keeping myself open and listening to other people's stories and, No, that just feels right. It feels natural. It just feels like that's where I'm supposed to be and that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And I have had editors tell me multiple times, you need to learn how to wrap up an interview. You know, you've had these people talking for two hours or whatever it is. You know, you're doing a seven minute story. What are you going (laughs) to do with this two hour interview? But it's I never feel like the person on the other side of the mic wants to wrap it up either. You know, mm-hmm. I we're both vulnerable. And I think my vulnerability allows other people to open up and share who they are. And also, I, I do share a little bit about of who I am, too, because I feel like it, I don't want it to be this one-way street where I'm just taking and not giving anything. Right. And I feel like as a reporter, sometimes we do do that. We're not supposed to be a part of the story, right? But then it also feels like, well that doesn't seem quite fair. You know, this other person who's opening themselves up to me fully and completely, shouldn't they know something about who I am and where I come from and what my intentions are? I don't know. Maybe that's not, it might be controversial, but that's how I feel. To me, it sounds like right exchange, you know, like that's how ideally we live like in right exchange with each other and with the natural world so that there isn't this like, inequality like you tell me your story but i give you nothing yeah i randomly 
was talking to this man in a coffee shop and he was telling me some, he, he was like, what do you do? I was like, what do you do? You know, that kind of thing. And he's like, oh, I was on NPR recently. And he said, you know, you should look it up. I was talking about this very, very intimate thing that happened to me when I was young. And he's like, you know, I realized at the end of the interview, I told this perfect stranger all of these things about me and I walked away knowing nothing about him. And he's like, that was really, that was a weird experience and I, and I don't quite know how to process it. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. that seems, I don't know. It's interesting because on one side I'm like, okay, well, there is something healing in just feeling like you're being heard. True. And there's the space held for you to share your experience. But I remember like two years into therapy with my last therapist, I was like, okay, I'm having trouble here because I know nothing about you. Right. And I'm projecting (laughs) what I think you must think of what I'm going through. And I just need to know some things. Yeah. And then the next session he was like, okay, I'm prepared to share some things from my life. And I was like, thank you. Wow. Because at a certain point, yeah, he was a good fucking therapist. Because (laughs) at a certain point, the work couldn't progress in that capacity without me then feeling safe. Right. So I guess you probably have to. I mean, it's not all about me, but you got to give something. You I have to so. be open and vulnerable. If and they have a question, style. you have to answer it. It is my style. And that's yeah. important to like own that and not code switch it. Yeah. <laughs> well, one, it holds space for them to then feel like, okay, this is a person in the world. You know, so then I can then also be a person in the world for them. And I also think it's just really important for everyone in general to like tell their story and yes they don't get an opportunity yes to do so and i think i remember i did like it was a very it was from like a book that was like a spiritual like workbook Mm -hmm. and one of the things was sit down and just write your story don't you can't even get up yeah and so i literally wrote pages and pages and pages just in one sitting and i cried i yeah. laughed it was such a powerful experience yeah that sounds amazing the, wait that wasn't in the artist way was it, it julia was. cameron's artist way i didn't make it to that chapter do you know how many times i've tried to do that book well girl get to that chapter i mean you don't have <laughs> yeah. to now no, no. but like because it really just did skip to that chapter <laughs> just do angel just, just told you what the exercise yeah. is yes, it's angel. a fantastic exercise i highly mm. recommend it and i still have it and yes. i go back and and reread it every now and then because what it does is it d- does on some level remind you like oh these were the important moments like mm-hmm. this is what rose to the surface for me to rem- you know that that are the the detailed points that make up my history but i do think like to allow people an opportunity to just sit and share who they are is such a special thing and i, I think so many people go through life feeling unseen and unheard So I think to create space where someone does get an opportunity to tell two hours of their story, (laughs) even if only six, five, three minutes are going to make it on air, is really valuable. And honestly, very spiritually driven. Kelly McEvers, who is a journalist that I work with, she always says to me, if I get nervous before an interview, she always says, don't worry, people want to tell their story. Mm -hmm. They want to do this. And so... I like to keep that in my head because I still get nervous before every interview. (laughs) (laughs) I'm nervous right now. (laughs) So am I. (laughs) Shaking. Well, our stories are our power, right? Like our stories are are the only thing that no one can take away from you. So, so to that, I mean, you, you've said you come from two very distinct cultures. Mm -hmm. How do you relate to that now? Well, one thing that I have realized is that I've 
completely kind of ignored one side of myself um, because my father was estranged from his family. So I didn't grow up really around any Iranians except for my dad. I mean, Mm -hmm. he was the Iranian man in, in the family and he didn't speak Farsi to us. He didn't talk about his childhood. He had a very rough life and he wanted to start over and he was starting over with my mom and my mom was very much like she had the culture and the traditions and my Puerto Rican family was always there and always around me. And so I've, always felt very Puerto Rican, but I have this very Persian name. Mm -hmm. You know, I was always very jealous of people like you, Angel, Uh Angel Lopez, like so simple. Yeah. You know, people would get exactly who you are. Right. Well, (laughs) and funny, you know, I mean, I grew up very much with my family, obviously, and it was connected there, but it really, straight up, like meeting you in college Shireen would come around the, you know, would come around the way and be like, Boricua. (laughs) And it was really the, really the first time that I really felt like, oh, I, I'm Puerto Rican. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. And like, I wanted to like fully invest in what that was. Um, And you, you did. I mean, you wore it. (laughs) <laughs> she did. wore it ladies and gentlemen <laughs> i know i was like i'm, I'm puerto rican so oh yeah she was that. leading the parade <laughs> sitting over here that. like weeping no right but it, it made me so joyful when i would see you and and you you would recognize me as like that whereas honestly at home i think it was my own personal family shit where i was like oh, i don't want to be here yeah you know so i couldn't identify so it was really that and like you know a couple of the other like folks in that circle you know Sandy, like yes. <laughs> yeah, I would love Shouts to see Sandy, to Sandy. Again, who's Costa Rican and Puerto Rican, right? Yes. Yeah. But what I'm hearing is representation. Like all of uh-huh. a sudden, you saw a representation of your own culture in a way that made you feel excited about stepping into your authenticity. Yeah. Well, that had no baggage attached to it. Yeah. yeah. But then I have so much baggage attached to the the other side of me, this Iranian side, because I feel completely disconnected from what it means to be Persian. It's just, I don't know. I don't understand. And I've been avoiding figuring it out. And so I'm trying, and I have tried over the years to to connect more with that part of who I am. Um, I took a class at Santa Monica College. I took Farsi for beginners. Can I just say yes. that's some bullshit that was not for beginners. It was all Iranians in that class. And you know who you are. And you all spoke Farsi at home. Yes. So they were like, but we don't write it. And I'm like, but I don't say anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so they would be all be talking to each other. And and I was like, oh my God, I thought this was Farsi for beginners. Right. Like, You're what all is happening qua. here? Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh my God, too much. So, you know, and I'm still trying to, to, to connect with that. I have aunts in London who I've um, reunited with and I want to get to know them more. And the first time we spent time together, it was a little awkward because you're meeting them for the first time and you realize I was raised Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. I was raised very different. This, these are different cultures. There are a lot, they have a lot of commonalities, but there's so many differences. And I was like, wow. I thought that when we met, it would be like this hole in my heart would just immediately like heal and close up. And actually, it made me realize, wow, we don't really have a relationship and it's going to take some time to connect and some time to learn 
about where I'm from and who I am and who my ancestors are and all of that. And I can't just ask these people who are strangers to tell me my hit family history, you know, in one week of me visiting London, you know, it's just, you can't expect somebody to give you that. And so it's been a long process. And what I always say is I just want to be trilingual by the time I die. I want to know my Farsi. I want to know my Spanish perfectly. And, you know, I got English down. (laughs) (laughs) you make a living out of it yeah you know you can connect with your ancestors outside of the like specific living family members that you have so i'll just speak to this really briefly which is that when we talk about ancestors we're not just talking about like the dead people in your family we're talking about the whole bloodline going back and when you work with your ancestors what you're really wanting to work with are but are known as like the luminous ones, you know, like those healers and teachers and all that is good and true and beautiful in your bloodline. Because everyone's bloodline also has like rapists and drug addicts and terrible <laughs> people as well. And you don't like, I don't want them coming into the spirit room when I'm trying to have a meditation, yeah. you know. But I think a really simple practice everyone can engage in, and maybe you'd be interested too, is you just create a little altar. So you would create like a small little altar somewhere in your house, a candle and a photo or a candle and even just like a picture of Iran. I mean, it could be as simple as that. And you just start to call in that energy to be around you because that's really what connecting to your ancestors is about. It's not necessarily knowing all the stories about your great aunt Edna or blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. It's about that river of collective energy that takes you all the way back to the first shaman in your bloodline. Mm -hmm. And that's who's able to help you and connect you. And I just think it's important for everyone. Like we don't need to get so hung up on like the specifics of our culture. Mm -hmm. It's more about opening our heart to the legacy that we are here to move forwards. That's really nice. That's lovely. So I am curious, just a little sort of tangent, but you are married now. I am. (laughs) You had said that you kind of didn't, you know, you'd never live with someone up until now. Um, What would you say have been sort of the greatest, either just either spiritual or just personal lessons that marriage has gifted you? Well... I am learning how to be less controlling, Hmm. especially over my space. Mm -hmm. And to understand that the way that I like things done doesn't mean that that's the only way to do things. (laughs) There's, there are other ways to do things. And I've lived alone for so long that the way that I was doing things and making things and cleaning things was just the way it was done. It was the right way, of course. And um, I'm learning that, No, that's not the case. And I'm also learning how to accept somebody's love. Mm. And that is actually a a real learning process to be loved, to have somebody love me. My husband loves me. Like he really thinks that I'm awesome. Mm. And I wake up every day thinking, why the hell does this man think I'm awesome? Instead of being like, this man thinks I'm awesome and I should Mm -hmm. be embracing that. And so I'm learning to accept love, to accept compliments, to have somebody be my rock and my support when I was always that for myself. And so I think marriage is teaching me because it hasn't taught me this yet, but it's teaching me how to lean on someone. Hmm. And be okay with that and ask for help and know that this person wants to help you because they love you and they think that, you know, you're the coolest thing ever. I mean, I'm just like, this man thinks I'm the greatest thing ever. Is he crazy? He must be nuts. (laughs) (laughs) 
He said this thing to me the other day. He goes, you know how I know you love me? And I said, how? He says, I'm the only person you ever say no to. <laughs> he's oh, like, wow. yeah, he's like, you love me enough to say no to me. Because you feel safe. Yep. Because I feel safe. You're like, I can say no to you and you're still going to care for me. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. But you're getting, you're learning how to say no. You're getting better. You're saying learning. no to other people that don't exactly. love you. Exactly. <laughs> I'm practicing with him, but yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Shereen, you are awesome. Oh, you she also is going to pull awesome. a card. Oh, oh my I gosh. Know. Come on. Oh, she listens so to the podcast. She knows how this goes. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to shuffle the cards and everybody just connect to the cards by hearing them being shuffled. And Shireen's going to pull it for us and just know that this message will resonate for you no matter the future time or space in which you listen to it. All right, now I'm going to go spread the cards out for Shireen. So exciting. It is. That's <laughs> what I was thinking in my head. <laughs> so Shireen was guided to pick two <laughs> cards. And so the two cards we're looking at are the Nine of Wands and the Ten of Pentacles. And so the first thing I want to say is that Nines and Tens are forms of graduation or leveling up. The Nine of Wands is about your own energy and learning about your own sustainable energetic process. Which is like, okay, this is not a sustainable way to do things. Like I'm not getting, it's not generative, right? Mm -hmm. So Nine of Wands is learning your own process of how to engage with your life in a way that is generative. It's growing things as opposed to depleting you. So I would just say for everyone, as you move through these next two weeks until we come together again, really consider like your vitality, the energy that you possess are you spending it on things that are giving you more energy? Or are you spending it on things that are kind of like leaking energy for you? Mm. Because even though, Shereen, you said like you're tired, your job does give you energy because it excites you. It empowers you. So just tune into that, everybody. And then the Ten of Pentacles... This is the abundance card. I mean, like, hey, this no. is the card that everybody wants to pull. It's like the Oprah abundance card. Pentacles speak to, like, the things in our life that are physical that we can touch. And so the Ten of Pentacles can mean, like, there's lots of money coming in. You know, that's one, mm -hmm. you know, interpretation. But to me, the deeper medicine of the Ten of Pentacles is that abundance is around you right now. And it's about your ability to tune into how abundant everything is. And so I just want to say to everyone, the world is broken. But it also contains more than enough beauty to sustain us all. And the Ten of Pentacles is how can we tune into the abundance around us as opposed to the lack or the brokenness around us. And perhaps that's the answer to how to be in the world but not of the world. Mm. We can move in and we can look honestly at what isn't working and what we have to do. But then we can also look at what is still so gorgeous. The sun still rises and sets two times a day. Well, it rises one time a day and it sets one time a day. But it's there for you. So let those cards guide you as you move and flow through the next two weeks of your life. Beautiful, uh, Or until honey. you tune in again. Who knows? Maybe you're binging these and you're going to get another card in about 90 minutes. <laughs> you, you need a whole reading. You need a whole reading. Yes, exactly. So, Shireen, mm -hmm. you are awesome. You are amazing. I hope you receive all the compliments. <laughs> That have come your way and that will be coming your way because you deserve it. If people want to be sending you compliments, where can they find you out in the world on the social medias? At Radio Mirage. I'm on Twitter at Radio Mirage. And then I'm on Instagram, Mirage underscore E. Yes. I keep it positive. <laughs> so, yeah. 
No trolling. No trolling, y'all. <laughs> no, I know I know the listeners to the spiritual gaze don't do that. No. Not at all. No trolls welcome. <laughs> um, but really. Except for like magical trolls. <laughs> <laughs> y'all can come. Yes. That's truth. Um, but thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us and share your truth. And your vulnerability. Thank you for opening the spirit room to me. So a really big thank you to all of you gazers for tuning in, for continuing to connect with us. It means so much to Angel and I to just Mm -hmm. be building this community around vulnerability and spirituality and owning your authenticity. We're so grateful for all of you tuning in. We heart you. We heart you. Um, Big thank you, as always, to our neighbor, Carl who is truly the reason why you can listen to this podcast. Yes, big ups (laughs) to Carl. And and... thank you to JSIM07, Justin Simeon, who creates all the interstitial music. Yes, thank you, sir. You know where to find us. You find us on uh, Instagram at The Spiritual Gaze or on Twitter just at Spiritual Gaze. You can also email us at thespiritualgaze at gmail.com. Of course, we would love it if you'd go to iTunes and rate us five stars or leave us a comment of any kind. Until next time, this has been your transit through The Spiritual Gaze. Gorgeous. (laughs) You should be a singer. I have always wanted to do that. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. That's like my favorite part. Whenever you guys do that, I'm like, yes. Okay. <laughs>